And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, welcome to the latest edition of WARP in Cincinnati. Paul Dinger Jr. and Trent Rosecrans of The Athletic. Um, just to let you know, we actually knocked out a full episode of WARP, which you are going to hear uh, soon, but we did that uh, before uh, the awful news today. Um, of Joe Morgan passing away at the age of 77. And we wanted to take a few minutes to make sure we discussed that today. Uh, and then we'll bring you um, the podcast that we recorded earlier uh, right after that. Um, Trent, first thoughts on on Joe Morgan. You know, it's one of those things. I mean, we talk later in this episode about the weirdness of being in this business. But one of the other things that's weird is when you think of Joe Morgan and you think of, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, his golf cart at spring training and sitting there talking to Joe for a while and, you know, like personal things. It's so strange. Um, I remember that with Joe Nuxhall that, like, I never had that kind of the fan because I'm not from Cincinnati. Like, I knew Joe Nuxhall the person before I knew Joe Nuxhall the broadcaster which was really odd. Um, I, of course, knew Joe Morgan the player before I knew Joe Morgan the person. Um, what, what, what just gets to me, I mean, there's so many things. Um, I really enjoyed talking to Joe, and every spring it would seem like there would be a point where I would get a chance to just sit and talk to Joe for half hour, 45 minutes, and it was always just really, really great because, I mean, this was just – a brilliant man, um, especially on the game of baseball and everything that he brought to it. But then when you look at Joe, the baseball player, there is an argument that he is the greatest red of all time. It's, it sounds kind of crazy cause he was only here for eight years. Um, but those eight years, <laughs> those, I mean, you know, <laughs> I know, um, you know, it's kind of funny um, to to discuss Joe Morgan and war because as a broadcaster, he was kind of skeptical of of war. Um, But I don't think he was as close-minded as most people seem to think he was about it. Uh, and, And I say that because I've had conversations had conversations with Joe Morgan about um, war and how it is kind of formulated and what it shows. And and we've talked about this and I think there was more leniency or willingness to learn from Joe than what most people saw, what I saw in person and what our discussions were. I think he got it, but the thing the the thing that's always been funny when discussing Joe Morgan in war is that there is no statistic that seems to value Joe Morgan more than war <laughs> that says 
holy crap, this guy was so, so good. Um, I'm sure this will be up on our site prominently, places to, to look at it. But Joe Posnanski did a um, – you know, when he did the baseball 100, the 100 greatest players of all time, and he had Joe Morgan number 21. Hmm. He, for, for, from 1972 to 1976, Joe Morgan led the league in war five of those years. <laughs> and that other year, he was second. With an 8.6 war, which like eight wars MVP level. Like if you have eight war in a regular season, 162 game season, you either you're the MVP or you should have been, or somebody else was really freaking good. Um, 75 and 75, he had an 11 war season, (laughs) which is ludicrous. It's absurd. Yeah. And so. I did this and this is just a real basic thing. And I tweeted it or as we record, I'm about to tweet it. But, um, when you have listened, you have recorded and this is something that's just like real basic math. But I think over the course of like, it's, it's absurd for like a one season to be like, this guy was, you know, had this many, um, wins above replacement per game. But when you're looking at something like this, where, Joe Morgan is sixth all time in war for Reds position players. The guys, I mean, in in order from one to five in war, career war, as a Red, this is just in a Reds uniform, are Pete Rose, Johnny Bench, Barry Larkin, Frank Robinson, and Joey Votto. Those are the only guys ahead of him. <laughs> Th- that's pretty good. Yeah. But the... He Joe Morgan played in 1,154 games as a Cincinnati Red. The of that list, you have to add 348 games to get to the next player, and that's Frank Robinson. Yeah. Um, and so basically I did a thing where it's just like simple, you know, meatball math, um, which is really kind of where I am for much of this. But if you go for baseball war per game or B war baseball reference war, I used baseball reference cause I just, it's prettier than fan graphs. Um, but if you go for war per game, his is so much higher than any of those other guys. Yeah. Well, we sit, we uh, talk about the we talk about the big red machine and the greatest team of all time potentially, and and certainly you know this this reign of of those great teams. He was the MVP of the league for seventy five and seventy six. Yeah, I mean, yeah. on that team, the team of greats, the great eight. We we talk in reverence as you should about so many players from that team around here and everywhere. Joe Morgan was the guy on that team. He, the, he he won the MVP of the league both of those years. And then and often when we talk about Hall of Famers and careers and judging them, and, and you get into this when you talk about fringe Hall of Fame candidates or who should be or who shouldn't be, I, I, we often end up in debates that are about prime versus longevity. And it's right. like, oh, wait, what's, what's more valuable? Is it the peak or is it the fact you did it over a long period of time? What if you did both? <laughs> Joe Morgan at his 
peak was as good as anything this team has seen. Again, MVP both years they won the World Series of those big red machine teams. And then he he's OPS plusing in the 130s and the over 100 every year until he's 40. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is not this is not some did it for a little while. He did it at a high level in his prime and he did it at a high level for an extended period of time. Again, 10-time All-Star, 5-time Gold Glove, um All-Star MVP, 2-time MVP, 2 times World Series. He's done did it all and he played, you know, the dude stole 689 bases. <laughs> on top yeah. of all of this and was like percentage uh is, is successful stolen base percentage was in the 80s yeah i mean he was yeah it just it's astounding it's astounding what he did um you know when, when you kind of look at that when we're talking about pound for pound and all that you know you just go back to him and frank robinson are you just look at their numbers and they're just phenomenal these two are you know forget any team they're they're some of the greatest of all time um and and here actually now that i'm i'm kind of looking through this so we talked about um i just said something about joe morgan was second with an 8.6 war in 1974 and so that was the second how many Let's see. Um, how many eight war seasons do you think that Johnny Bench had? I don't know. How many? One. One. <laughs> how many eight war seasons do you think Pete Rose had? Two. One. How many eight war seasons? Do you think Frank Robinson had two, one, (laughs) how many eight war seasons do you think Barry Larkin had one zero? (laughs) How many eight war seasons do you think Joey Votto's had one, one? Yes. So that perspective I mean, is incredible. I I didn't do it until I mean I just just did this all here. Eight war seasons. And Joe Morgan. <laughs> I mean forget that. Joe Morgan had an 11. Yeah. None of those guys had a 9 war season. He had an 11. He had he had two in 72, he had a 9-3. In 73, he had a 9-3. He, he had nine. His From from 1972 to 1976, his lowest war season in those five years was 8.6. He had three, well, four seasons where he had a better than nine war. It's crazy. Four. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. An absolute legend, and and I it, and it, it. I hope, um, 
man, I hope people understand that, you know, how, how revolutionary he really was as a player. You know, we, you get into these, these guys and, you know, as baseball players, particularly great ball baseball players, uh, maneuver through their post baseball life. And, and Joe Morgan did that incredibly well. I mean, he, him and John Miller, that's Sunday night baseball, man. Like that mm-hmm. was forever. And, and, and a lot of people, a generation of fans know him as that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, oh, Joe Morgan. Yeah. He was a broadcaster. You know, he's also like one of the greatest players of all time. Like, <laughs> you know, let's not let, uh, but for some people don't, they don't, you know, understand that uh, of how great he truly was and you know the greatest player on one of the greatest teams in the history of baseball (laughs) yeah it's just silly it's crazy and uh sad day man sad day um you know um rest in peace and condolences to joe morgan and his family and everybody uh um as you know, this, this news gets out. Um, but you know, uh, a great guy we had it went back uh, a while back when I worked in the red scoreboard, there was a day, I think he was the chairman of, he was leading the opening day parade or something like that. And, uh, he's one of the few, one of the people who's ever done this came into the scoreboard room as we were getting working on opening day and made sure to say hello and thank you to everybody that was working inside of the scoreboard. And it's like, that was just not something that happened. And it's like, Oh, Joe Morgan just came in here to say thank you to us. Like, that's pretty wild, you know, and we're normally a forgotten corner of the, uh, it used to be a, uh, you know, a forgotten corner of the uh, offices up there where you, you don't normally see that. And it was very cool. I always remembered that it's one of the few times I actually got to see Joe Morgan. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there's millions of stories uh, of him as a person, as well as obviously an incredible baseball player. Sad day uh, for Reds fans and for baseball fans and everybody, really. So um, anyway, we wanted to make sure we uh, put that reaction in uh, and before we and we'll now get to the rest of the podcast. But uh, uh, rest in peace, Joe Morgan, one of the greats of all time. Trent, last week you teased us with the thought that. There might be there. There could be some news that we would be reacting to next week potentially. You might have, yeah. you might have even used the word secrets. Did I? <laughs> well, there there is there is news. Yeah, Dick Williams stepped down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I it was kind of surprising to me. I mean, at a certain point, news becomes the news, and your mind adjusts to it, and you. You know, you have a better understanding of why, but at first glance, first hearing it, first hearing it brought to your attention, was that as surprising for you as it was for some others? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, There was some just when I talked to Dick, it was like, oh, really? (laughs) You know, kind of thing. Um, There was a lot of. It, it was surprising. Um, but talking to him, I get it. I really do. Um, I mean, it, it's it's hard for a lot of people, I think, to understand um, because for so many people, it's like, oh, working in sports would be so great. And it is. I don't think you and I are complaining. Um, we both love our jobs. But our wives sometimes don't. 
Um, sometimes fact. we don't. You know, yeah. um, we have weird work schedules. It's all encompassing. Um, like we were just talking off air about how you know you get your phone's never off. And I mean, again, not a complaint. I, I, I do what I do. I love what I do. I don't know what else I would do, but your phone's never off. And that's just for me for, um, if you're in the position that Dick Williams is in, it is, you know, it is 24 seven and it is a lot. It is really a lot. And, He's got four kids under the age of 11. Wow. I mean, you have two, and I don't know how people do it with two. Now, um, you know, Dick's also, uh, there's, you know, the other elephant in the room here. I mean, he's not wondering where rent's coming from. (laughs) He's going to another very good job. Yeah, he's got another job, um, you know. He's he's got familial connections. He's got other stuff. Um, so it's not like, you know, like you and me, I think we both kind of have the thing like, what else would we do? How else would we make yeah. money? How would we do this? I have no other real skills. I, I think no, I can bartend, like, but I wasn't really good at it. Right. That's a, right. That's all and I that got. also is not great for the <laughs> – you know, helping out the no. family thing. No. It's hard. I mean, um, it's, it's, it's hard with the, you know, when you have, you know, that is the thing is, is, and he mentions it, you know, you're looking at 180 days and nights a year, basically that you are at a ballpark and away from your family. And when you have young kids and, and you've been doing, and that's been you for however many years, there's just, there's an, an unsustainable nature to it and you know i i i totally i don't know how like i i see the same thing um zach taylor has four kids i mean four kids right and and you see these and and i'm always like like i just don't i don't understand how anybody does that i i I, this you know working working in sports and being in that type of position was like the greatest thing ever before you had responsibility outside of it you know Mm -hmm. real responsibility and it just is draining and exhausting and full of guilt when you do it when you do have responsibility particularly when you have young kids like like dick williams does and you and i i mean yeah and luke fickle has like 73 children (laughs) yeah something about coaches in this area must breed um (laughs) You know, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. And like, so I get it. And like, there are just, when you have other options and I think that's the big one and there's other family, family stuff and you never know, um, it is something in, in sick said he, he had went to Bob Castellini in August and said, Hey, we're going to be in the playoffs, but I pro I don't think I'm coming back. We're going to make it. And um, he was right on both. And he kind of slept on it, uh, gave itself more than a month, and decided last week that uh, he just uh, just wasn't uh, – he, he was just d- – d- didn't want to come back and didn't want to keep 
this up. And again, um, I know everybody else says, oh, he got fired. He really got fired, right? Like, I don't think so. No. Um, you know, it just because because for a lot of people, it doesn't make sense. But I think for some people, it really does. Yeah. There's an immediate thought that there must have been some sort of, you know, dissension under the under the surface that we didn't know about. And this is that coming out. And, and I yeah, I don't necessarily get that. I definitely don't get that impression. And I think there's also I mean, there's also a little bit of when you look at the job he did and the way he evolved in that job and and turning things over more over to Nick Crawl and feeling like he wanted to set something that would live past his time there the modernization of the team the the restructuring of the player development system where you get into the you know the analytics side of things with Kyle Body and things like that feeling like you set all those pieces in place and then you just you you can walk away and just watch those as you would hope blossom from the seeds you planted so to speak um and you don't need to be there to be watering the plants every day to keep my bad analogy going you know it's like yeah i i think there is some sense of well what else can i really do here that everybody else isn't already doing because we put that in place and got the balls in motion everywhere yeah and um you know i think i think you kind of hit on it um uh, bigger than any of maybe some of the big player acquisitions or those kind of trades or whatever I think the, the maybe the largest legacy might be that restructuring and the modernization. And, um, you know, that's something that he had wanted to do for quite a while um, before he was in charge. It was really um, kind of what he was hoping to do and, and something he thought was important and, and, and really spearheaded. So, I mean, that's, that's quite the legacy. Yeah, and and you can you know and we'll see what happens with that. I mean, potentially that ends up being the big difference maker. What did you if we're if we're playing this game that you, you must play if you talk about sports into a microphone? What was his best move? What, what do you think was is it is it the modernization thing? I mean, we haven't seen that come to roost yet. You have a couple of trades and signings that have proven to be very good. Did you yeah. have a best move from him? Um, I, I think. You know, it's kind of that modernization is something that we shall see, and maybe that's the legacy. But if you're looking at moves, um, his first trade is, is, is tough to beat. Um, getting Luis Castillo, um, you know, and, and trading for Luis Castillo. Dan Straley for, and who else was in that deal? Uh, well, Dan Straley went to the Marlins, Luis Castillo, um, Austin Bryce. And Zeke White came to the Reds. Yeah. Decent deal. Worked out. You know, um, I, I think you can really look at the the Sonny Gray sign uh, trade and an extension. That's, you know, that's a pretty big deal that should, um, you know, pay dividends down the line. What about Derek Johnson? That's that's a huge one. That um, was mine. I, I, I think the – 
I remember specifically talking to you after they did it and where that was the one that sent the shockwave through the league of this. The Reds are serious about this. They are real about this. And I think he has been a big part of all those you just mentioned. You know, the revitalization of of Sonny Gray, uh, the modernization of the pitching staff, uh, Luis Castillo, all of those things in a lot of ways go back to Derek Johnson. It was a big move to aggressively go after him from a division rival, no less, uh, steal him away and and understand the importance of what he could bring. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. That is one of those that was the, you know, all these moves are the work of more than one person. And I think that's something that gets lost and um, is sometimes oversimplified. Um, These these are – these are moves that are pushed by or talked about for, for by so many people. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's definitely, it's definitely kind of uh, a culture that was built and has been built, and that that frankly still exists. And ho- and they hope will you know come to blossom. It didn't make it all the way this year, um, you know, to where he obviously he talked about that, where he looks at twenty twelve and twenty twenty as two of those most disappointing seasons in a lot of ways because you felt like you had the team and you had the the horses to to make the real run. Both of them end before ever moving forward, and you're frustrated by that. But you know you feel like you've left a base um, where there can be more teams like that going forward. I take a quick break here now and uh, hear from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Where do they go from here, or is that just a big unknown at this point? What do what do we actually know about what the dynamic will be in the front office now going forward? We don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. We just don't know. And um, I mean, Nick Crawl is still here and he has been, and he has been central to running the, the, the day-to-day regular operations as the GM for over a year now, year and a half has it been? Mm-hmm. I don't know how long mm-hmm. it's exactly It was um, something like that. Yeah. I mean, well, he's, he's been doing that. So that, that part doesn't change. Um, unless, I mean, but, you bring in somebody who wants his, all his own people. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if you, or do you elevate Nick or do you do that? I, I, you know, there's, there's so many different ways that they can go with this. And we don't know what those ways will be. No. Um, I mean, you would think, 
you would think that there would be some wanting to keep continuity together from some a lot of the things that we just talked about and not necessarily wanting to go way outside of the the realm of comfort and, and to me that would suggest having Nick crawl kind of have another person underneath him rather than bringing somebody in over top of Nick crawl now I, I don't know anything about those dynamics like you you do um, but to from an outsider's perspective looking in just me just hey wouldn't that make sense uh, it would seem to me you would want to keep a lot of the momentum and things that you had going going and maybe bringing in somebody to work with Nick crawl to, to help lighten the load at that level it's a possibility um yeah. I, you know i think everything's kind of on the table um and and this is something that the uh ownership group i mean dick did give them a heads up so it's something that they've been considering for a while here's the other side of this i always thought there was an advantage in dick williams because of his connection to the ownership group i mean he's part of the ownership group and that was you know, I think part of the allure there a little bit in in that connection is that is there relevancy to to that going forward? You think at all, or is that totally just well? That was just a unique situation. I mean, there is something there. I mean, I, I you know, when it comes down to it, ownership makes can sign off on a lot of deals. There's a lot of deals that can be you know, are bantied about, can be agreed upon, and then ownership say no to. Um, you have to be able, a big part of that job is communicating with ownership and being able to sell ownership on things um, and or talk them out of other things. Uh, so there is... I think there's a lot to what you've said, and I've always kind of thought that. I mean, that's not to say that Dick always got what he wanted, because that is certainly not the case. And I don't think that's the case for anybody in that position. Um, you know, th th this is not a – I hear it talked about sometimes as a Reds problem or something. It's like, you know, most of these things that we see are part of the sport everywhere. You know, every person in that position. It's so weird because we used to call it GM. And it's still like GM is still the um, the shorthand for it, but it's not actually, you know, um, that's a tangent. Um, but it's, it, it's it, going back to what I was saying before I kind of figured off. I hope I didn't lose everybody, <laughs> yourself included. Um, <laughs> but like every GM in sports or – president of whatever operations or whatever title you want to give whatever top person on the baseball side or the sports side is always dealing with ownership. And that is their first constituency. And that is the first person they have to sell on anything. And everybody deals with that. There's, I don't know that there is a owner in sports that, I mean, I'm sure there are, but it's far more common that owners in sports are probably involves more than the decision makers would like them to be. <laughs> I'm sure that's a fact. I mean, so much of these jobs, I and that I didn't 
And I don't know why. I, I, maybe this is just me, and I could be wrong. But like I, I, until I really got into our business and really got a good understanding of how these teams operate, the importance of managing up never occurred to me until I really started covering the league and seeing the inner workings of it. And that we, we focus, I think outsiders often focus so much on the managing down and, and managing your players and situations and managing up is like probably 75% of your job, your job security, and your ability to really get things done. And some um, are very good at that. Some are very bad at that. And that typically ends up defining their tenure more so than any of the managing down that they do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's and that was the, the best part. That was the thing with Dick Williams. He had managing up in his back pocket because he's managing up to him, you know, his own people in a lot of ways. I mean, I mean, he was part of that group. You have that built in, right? And you know, it's not. This is someone he's known his entire life, and it's not. I don't know. I think there are some people who are scared of ownership, and you know, Dick's a blue blood. And it's easier for blue bloods to deal with blue bloods because they feel like they belong. Yeah. Uh, so we don't know exactly what's going to happen next. Um, how time frame is that also unknown? On is it? Do they feel this is an urgent matter to fill in immediately, or do we have any idea? No, I don't. Yeah. It's all there's a lot of there's a lot of still stuff just sort of reactionary to this, I think, is where we're at. And we'll see what develops going forward. Of course, we'll be here with you as things uh, go through at that point. But for right now, you know, Nick Crawl is is still in the GM spot and anything that's going to be going on from an offseason perspective, they still have, you know, there. It's not like there's a bunch of empty offices. Um, Although this this offseason is going to be so weird and so different. Yeah. I mean, it really is. We're going to see throughout baseball, you know, um, something to look at are the non tenders. I, there's going to be some very surprising non tenders on the, on the, um, out, out there this year, just because that's going to be the only way to save money. Yeah. And so you're going to see guys that you go, oh, man. That every other year, that is a no-brainer. So who who would be some of the Reds? I mean, they have non-tender candidates, I assume, here. Oh, yeah. I mean, pretty much everybody who's arbitration eligible. So let's go through that. Um, that would be Archie Bradley. Um, you know, his he's an arb, he's third-year arb. He came in. Brian Goodwin, another guy in that trade, um, that day of trades. Um, Kurt Casale is arbitration eligible. Uh Travis Jankowski, I think that's going to be a non-tender. Uh, Matt Davidson, also non-tender. Um, Robert Stevenson could be non-tendered. It's his first year of ARB, so maybe not. Um, Jesse Biddle's probably non-tendered. Um, Matt Bowman could be non-tendered. He's ARB too. Uh, even Michael Lorenzen could be non-tendered. He, he's, you know, that's a guy that I think they would consider just because he's another year of arbitration. 
Um, he's been good, but you know, if he made 3.725 last year, say Arb gives him five, do, do you consider five million what he does worth five million? I mean, that's just a thrown out number, but it's a consideration. I think, I think yeah. those are all considerations. And, um, you know, there, there are just a ton of guys out there you go through and I mean, I've heard speculation again, this is speculation, but I've heard this from people inside the game. Chris Bryant could be an untendered. Yep. Chris Bryant, you know, Gary Sanchez could be non-tendered. Um, Heck, I, I even had somebody, again, somebody inside the game say Javier Baez. I mean, that's the kind of level things, guys, that are going to be around. And so even then, if you're expecting that kind of non-tender, well, then you look at your the people that you need to tender a contract to and say, oh, am I going to go through ARB with this guy or can I pick up? Somebody on a cheaper one-year contract, because there's going to be a lot of one-year contracts, I think, this year, um, because everybody's going to want to, be, because the market is so different, because it is all over the place, there's going to be a lot of that with people just feeling out what it may be. And I mean, it's, it's also super interesting um, because there is just so much in play with, um, with those contracts. And, um, this off is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. I honestly don't expect many signings before January 1st because, because everybody's got to know that a, they're going to play or maybe that they're going to, you know, I don't think they're going to play how many games they're going to play. If it's going to be a regular season, if there's going to be fans, you know, what you can, you can budget for. Yeah, we, it will be, I mean, it's like all these, I think we've talked so much about the uniqueness of these professional seasons, NBA, NHL, the bubbles, you know, NFL and MLB trying to pull off outside all that stuff. The fascinating stuff is what's going to happen next. Cause that's when the money doesn't show up mm -hmm. and the bills come due. And then what do these leagues, what do these owners do? That's across all. Every single professional sport that has gone without fans this year in is how do they react in the coming off season in the next off seasons? How do the leagues adjust? That is going to be really the telling stuff. And for baseball, uh, you know, it will, will, you know, they, they still got to think about what next year is going to even look like on the field. Uh, you know, there's just a lot there. All right, Trent, I'm just going to take a quick stop here uh, and uh, let's hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There is a fantastic story up on Dusty Baker uh, yeah. on the site right now. Um, and Trent, you know, uh, any, anybody that covered the Reds during Dusty's time, he's just the best. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> again, it's one of those inside the game things. People love Dusty. Yeah. And if you've ever had a conversation with the guy or met him. I mean, there's just, there, there's nothing not to love. He's the, maybe he's like the world, he's baseball's version of the most interesting man in the world. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the guy in the commercials got nothing on Dusty. No, no. That goes back to uh, when you guys had Joey Votto on the podcast uh, with Paz and he told the story about going and talk to Dusty and Willie Mays was in there and uh, the conversation that Willie Mays had about the size of Joey Votto's hands or whatever. But it's just like, and Votto said it in passing, but he's like, you know, you could go into Dusty's office and you never know who could be in there or who he's talking about or he'll call up or whatever. It's just like, that's just Dusty. Like you just, there is nothing off the table in the whole world that you could, you know, you would be surprised by in Dusty's office. Well, and that's the funny thing. I think somebody set it in there and it's like, you go in one day and there's two chains and then the next day Willie Nelson walks out. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, it's just awesome. So the the story is incredible, but it, 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 in the background is that I want to talk briefly about the playoffs and get your take on the the remaining teams. You know, for Dusty, it's this has just been the one knock against him. Right, has mm-hmm. been ah, but he's done everything. He has won consistently every single place he's been. He's made it every single place he's been, but just never been able to knock down the door completely. And here he is with the, these hated Astros doing his thing, and he's got them uh, in the uh, ALCS against the Rays. What, what I mean, what's funny about it, it to me <laughs> is like for people who are haven't paid much attention, you know, the, the people who are just are in the playoffs, they probably think the Astros should win that just on name recognition, you know, like, oh, it's the Astros and the underdog Rays, <laughs> the underdog Rays who were 40 and 20 and the Astros yeah. had a losing record this year. You know, the, the Astros were 29 and 31. The Rays were 40 and 20, the second best record in baseball. And it's, it's just kind of funny because I think a lot of casual fans would see like, oh, well, there goes Dusty underachieving, um, <laughs> you know, with a pitching staff that has been decimated, uh, both starters and relievers, you know, uh, who'd you see out there last night, but Brooks Raley in the eighth for the Astros. <laughs> You know, a guy that the uh, Reds designated for assignment early in the season. Now, Rayleigh is a guy that was on the Astros' radar for for quite a while. Um, So they valued him and kind of thought that the the Reds didn't use him right. But, uh, you know, still, it's a guy that the Reds DFA'd was out there in the eighth inning last night with a game on the line. Um, And that's kind of been the story of the Astros' season. Yet, here they are in the 
ALCS. I mean, you could argue that this team that was 29 and 31 is overachieving to be there. Yeah, it's fu- it's kind of it's kind of fun to watch. I mean, the Rays are a great story too. I mean, they're they've I always just feel like they I don't know, from afar and I knowing them a little bit when I lived down in the south a little bit more, uh they just I love the way they run their organization. They just have always I feel like they're always getting the most out of what they have they're always taking very smart angles whether it would be in the front office or managerial whatever they always have just felt a step ahead and you know so I'm not surprised to see them back uh where where they are in in the AL here's something um, that I think isn't talked about enough with them big part of their success is kind of like what I was just talking about that they don't have that external pressure. You know, nobody expects anything out of them. They don't have to cave to the local columnist saying, why don't you sign big free agents? You know, they don't have to deal with the uh, perception of they're not trying. Um, They're just the rays and people don't think about them and they don't get, that I don't know. I see a lot of things, you know, like the last couple of years, oh, they're, you know, they'll never sign anybody in free agency. That's what I got last year. I wrote um, around this time, this um, big story, what would a uh, free agent spending spree look like? And my the response is, they won't ever do that. And, um, but also pressuring to do that and thinking that's the only way, like just they're allowed to do what they want. You know, so much isn't that they're, they are just one of the best run organizations out there and there's i don't think you can you can dispute that but i think a big part of that is that they're allowed to do it their way and kind of what we were talking about before that managing up they are allowed to do that um in part because of there's not that much external pressure i mean you know the the other best team in baseball is the best team in the with the best record in the National League and the team that I think we all expect to to win there is the Dodgers um and that's the old Rays you know that's the the first successful race with Andrew Friedman and his whole group and so there they are too and they win differently too. <laughs> and they win differently too because of can, they, they have can to just do spend. It. Yeah, they but, they can spend, but they can and they easier. have that. Um, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, they can go out and sign Mookie Betts for three hundred million or whatever. <laughs> that helps. That helps. <laughs> but it's also, you know, the Yankees aren't here. The Yankees aren't here. Um, you know, there's all these things, and and you know, for everything I hear around here, um, you know, the Dodgers haven't. The, the Reds have won a World Series more recently than the than the Dodgers. And the Rays have never won one. Yeah, it, you know, it's... For the people I just, crying I just, I just, for I them to always, be like the Rays, yeah. they're the same people crying who say when they get to the playoffs that they didn't win in the playoffs. Yeah. Or be like the A's, you know. The same thing. It's a complete lack of understanding what you're talking about. And I just, I just, I've always liked their organization. You just feel like 
they're always there oh. and always doing something interesting. On on the flip side, I do want to go ahead. Trent. I do that. I do that. You know, there's there's always the like a raise move or an A's move, and and quite honestly, I think the Brewers have kind of gotten into this just because I think so much of their um, organization where it's like, I'm not sure I get it, but they know better than I do. Yeah. You know, they earned the benefit of the doubt. The A's and the Rays have really earned the benefit of the doubt on any of those moves. That you kind of go, huh, that's interesting. And it's not looking like, it's looking like, what do they see that I don't? Because they see it and they're usually right. On the other side, the NLCS, the Braves and Dodgers uh, are going against each other. The Braves continued to look good uh, after moving on to beat the Reds for those that uh, checked out. Um, You know, they, 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 they've got it going pretty nicely. But do we give? Do you give them a fighting chance? I mean, you basically just, you just said you think the Dodgers are you know should win it. Yeah. Give them. I mean, they they still can rake. Yeah. I mean, Max Freed. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think I think they've you know when you get to this point, anybody can win. I really believe that. Um, and so, but I would I'm still going chalk raise Dodgers because yeah, um, yeah. Selfishly, uh, because I always root for what will make angry Twitter the most mad. Uh, I want Dusty to get his. I want and Dusty, he, and to you get just want him to win anyway. I love for a number of reasons. Great. That's one of them. <laughs> That's it's good for baseball. You're right, and 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 it just you know, Dusty's one of my favorite people. Um, he is. I think I've said this, and we kind of alluded to it. Other. The thing with Dusty is you could spend an entire day or weekend or week or whatever, set your, set your time frame. You could spend all that time with Dusty, have the greatest conversations of your life, and never talk about baseball. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It, or you could only talk about baseball, have spend all that time and have the greatest conversations of your life and only talk about baseball. Yeah. I mean, the guy, I think, I don't think this word was used in there, but I've heard it many times. He's a chameleon, you know, everybody he finds that he deals with, he finds what he can do to connect with them. And he's a connector. And that is why he is one of the greatest managers ever because he connects with everybody and he can connect with anybody. He's 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 unbelievable. Yep, uh, and it's why teams that play for him love playing for him. They love coming to work every day. They feel like their manager has their back. They feel like they have good relationships with them, and that's why they win over the course of one sixty two. Because that's the key. It's like that he he knows how to create that connection of happiness and support and all those things you need for all your players over the course of one hundred sixty two. He hasn't been able to get over the top in the postseason. But uh, it's 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 fun to watch, and you just you just hope that he gets um he gets that chance. Yes, yeah, Billy Bean and a Hall of Famer, the GM. Is he a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? I mean, he's. I mean, they haven't won anything, right? But I think he's a Hall of Famer, right, for his impact impact on the game. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't get to vote on the managers or executives, and that's all a different thing. But yeah. Dusty's a no-brainer to me. I'm afraid it's going to be a little tougher, um, but it shouldn't be. 
Um, if he, but if he can win one, it's if, a little easier. If he wins one, I mean, he's in. Like you yeah. know, like Theo Epstein, Epstein, uh, Epstein. When Theo, <laughs> I just remember tweeting when Theo won. It's like, yep, with the Cubs. It was like you know, as if there were a doubt after what he did with the Red Sox, doing yeah. it with the Cubs. I mean, shoot, do they rename an award for him? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, what's next for him? Um, yeah. So, because somebody said that, well, they the Reds should get Theo Epstein. Well, a, I don't know why he would do that, um, unless he got ownership stake. I mean, that's yeah. that's the only thing that would would maybe work there. Um, but B, it's like for him, like I always wondered, like after he won the Cubs title, it's like what's next? I mean, seriously, what's next? Yeah. What do you? What are the other How biggest do- like? <laughs> do you turn around? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I just can't even think of it. I can't think that big. It's got to go beyond sport, right? If yeah, you've I won with the Red to. Sox and the Cubs, you have to like, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think of like a, a brand that's, you know, do you bring Arby's. back Sears? Um, <laughs> uh, that'd be great if that was the next move. Yeah. Bringing Sears back. Bring Sears Bring back. Bring Searsy back. All right. Uh, on that note, I think we've covered, we've run the gamut here. Uh, reminder, uh, again, that story on Dusty Baker is up uh, on the site now. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Great jobs um, by um, Rustin Dodd and Brittany Giroli. Um, yeah. Really, really fun reading. Um, and uh, Joey Votto is in there, Brandon Phillips, Bronson Arroyo. It was great. I um, I talked to Joey for that story, and but I also um, hooked Rustin up with uh, Bronson. And and Rustin texts texts me right back and goes, "Oh my God, thank you so much!" <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Bronson, he'll he'll do that for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he'll make of, you thankful and grateful. Speaking of all time greats to deal with in this job. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll be uh, we'll be back again next week uh, on WRP and a little more look at the off season. We'll take a, maybe even a little more look at uh, what's going on in the playoffs, everything else. Maybe maybe there'll be more news. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you you, ne- you never know uh, what's going to happen. So anyway, thanks to everybody uh, for listening. A reminder: uh, subscriptions on the site. Uh, you can go to theathletic.com slash warp uh, and. F- and go ahead and click on the link and subscribe. We'd love to have you on board. Um, and uh, it's a it's a great deal. Trial free trials also out there for you if you want to just come take a test spin. Uh, hope to have you there. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on WARP in Cincinnati. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.